You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey gals, well today is so much fun for me. You guys know I love it when I just get to sit and chat with people and I'm not, of course, in a room just talking to myself, even though I always do feel like you gals are here kind of with me and that we get to have these chats. But today I'm gonna be joined by Casey Metter. I'm gonna have her introduce herself and all those fun things here in just a second. But I asked Casey to join us today because we're recording this right now in August. Now, it's probably going to come out in just a few weeks. So school will probably be started and all of that stuff. But oh, I have a heart for Casey and just the work that she does because she is this amazing person that is doing this very valiant profession. Are you ready? Teaching. I'm not sure if there's any bigger heroes around than our teachers these days. So I just wanted to really kind of have a very freewheeling conversation with Casey, hear her words on what it's like in the classroom, the things that encourage her, the things that spur her on, because I think it's not that different than all the encouragement that we all need in our everyday life. But I think specifically for teachers out there, for, you know, moms, and, you know, just even people just maybe in a difficult work environment, this can be challenging. So Casey, Say hello. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so I need you to give me a little bit of background. And I do believe now, guys, but of course, you know, we're AC Creek and Pastor Brett Metter is the pastor. So, but I'm pretty sure you are the last Metter to be on here because we've had Pastor Brett, your mom's been on a couple times, Brooke's been on a couple times, and Joey. Love it. So this is the grand finale. This is the grand finale. I've been waiting for <laughs> what this moment. What I'm hearing moment. you say is, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so Casey, give us some background. Tell us about you. Tell us about how long you've been teaching, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I can kind of like dive into what brought me to teaching. Do it. And do it. So I have obviously grown up at Athey Creek, and I started working with kids at a very young age when I was a kid. <laughs> and so I've always just been drawn to working with kids in general. And I definitely think that had a say in kind of where the Lord has taken my life since then. And I actually went to school, Corbin University. I went to be an ed major. And it was so funny because I took this intro to education class and it totally scared me away. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it, like absolutely scared okay, me away. Okay, what was scary about intro to Well, ed? so they have you like read all these books that have all these accounts of, from real teachers. And it's to give you like a taste of what it's going to be like. And I just remember I was like, I'm 18 years old. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> and so I bailed out. And I actually at that time I thought I'm never going to be I'm never going to be a teacher. Like, that's not for me. Even though I actually thought the class was so interesting. And I was like fascinated by the books we read and everything. I just thought, I'm not ready for this. And so I became an English major and I loved it. Uh, and somebody, somebody language, else I know girl. was also an English major. And I just loved it. And I do think that's what I was supposed to do for a few years. And I, after I graduated as typical English major, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So that I worked in facts. retail. It's facts. <laughs> I worked in retail at this little skincare company for a year. And it was funny because I also felt like this is not where I want to be forever. It was a very slow store. And I remember being like so bored so much of the time. And we'd have to make lots of cold calls. And I just thought, this is so dry for me. (laughs) And so I thought I got to do something that's more interesting. So it's funny. I was like 23 when I decided to go back to school to become a teacher. And so I enrolled at George Fox in their master's program. It was 10 and a half months. It's fast. 
and I um, student taught in kindergarten. Oh, <laughs> I could totally see you as a kindergarten oh, teacher. Love it. Kindergarten. I did learn I didn't want to teach kindergarten after that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a kindergarten teacher out there listening, God bless you. My professor, I remember her saying during that program, she was like, the first people into heaven are going to be bus drivers, kindergarten teachers, and special ed teachers. <laughs> and that's not biblical, but uh, <laughs> I did think it was funny. And I saw her point because it is very challenging. Yeah. And then I substitute taught for a year. I kind of just wanted to see what was out there see a lot of the schools in the Portland metro area. And also, I was only in kindergarten for that student teaching year. So I wanted to see like, what are the other grades like? So I actually substitute taught in like K through 12 classrooms, which was really fun. I got to see what high school was like. And uh, wow, terrifying. Um, middle school. I yeah, know, also terrifying. And then I, um, through that, took some teachers at uh, the school that I'm currently at went on maternity leave. So I got to take a couple of like long-term jobs at that school. And that is what led me to where I'm at now. They had some job openings the following year and I went for it because I really loved that district and that school. So have you, what grade are you at now? And have you always been at that grade? Once I got hired at the school that I'm currently at, I taught fourth grade for a few years and then I moved to the fifth grade team and that's where I am currently. And this will be my, my third year teaching fifth grade. So fun. <laughs> so, you know, I for maybe give us a little bit of background, because if you're listening to us and you're here in Oregon, you're probably pretty aware of some of the things that go on in Oregon schools. Although I don't know that Oregon schools are, we're not quite the anomaly, I guess, that we once were. There are lots of school districts that are promoting some really ungodly things. And, you know, it's become very difficult over the last few years. You know, just so for context, if you're listening to us and you're in Wyoming or Nebraska, well, guess what? There's these crazy states <laughs> where there's some really nutty stuff going on in schools. So maybe even you said you've been in this for four years. Did you see even a change in the last three versus your first couple years in teaching or maybe in your student teaching? How did things kind of progress within the classroom environment? Just regarding Oregon kind of specific or stuff? Any kind or of, it could be that or just anything that you felt like the culture in the school changed. And maybe it didn't. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not there. I would definitely say, I mean, it's kind of what Everybody felt during like the 2020 period, at least in Oregon, I think that the coronavirus, like what everybody saw on the news during that time with whether you're talking, you're talking about Black Lives Matter or there's so many things, I would say it happened also in the schools. And so, and it's interesting because it's not like taken over in my school yet. I just have heard about things more, you know, whereas like, you know, my I'll see um, emails from the superintendent about Pride Month. And there's like, so I'm seeing more of that than I did when I was first hired. Not in a, at least where I'm at, in a crazy substantial amount yet. And I know that's that's just me speaking for me. There's other schools too that are very different from where I'm at. But I've definitely seen more of it. But what's interesting and something that I always try to keep in mind is a lot of times that's coming from the adults and not the kids. <laughs> So like I was even talking to my sister about like last year, for example, I think like any within my classroom, I'm really grateful because at my school, I still have a lot of control over what goes on in my classroom. And my administrator is really great about that, too, which is awesome. And that's not the case for everybody. But last year, I think like that just the topic of LGBTQ stuff came up maybe three times over the whole school year and by students. So 
Definitely one of them was when the tampons went in the bathrooms. Well, we should probably give some background that when she's saying that tampons went in the bathroom, she's meaning boys. Boys. Boys bathrooms. <laughs> like, yes, the girls bathrooms that they way. They already had them. Yes. But now at an elementary school in Oregon, it is actually, it is a law, correct? Yeah. That everybody has to have them. That even boy bathrooms. Yeah need to have tampons. I can't explain. I can't explain that. That actually that day was really interesting because nobody knew that was happening that day. So not even my principal, nobody knew that they were going in. Like it's like people just came in and installed them. (laughs) It was like a surprise. Um, So we weren't ready for that. And I was teaching a little small group while my whole class was doing something else. I had this little group of girls and we were working on math. And then a boy, (laughs) one of my fifth graders ran in and said, Miss Mather, there's tampons in our bathroom. (laughs) Like in front of the whole class. The whole class. And it was so, it actually was like, if that was going to happen, I want it to be like that because it was so startling that I'm like, I want everybody to see that everyone is startled by this because. Good point. Yeah. Because like if it just like snuck in. And y'all acted like, oh yeah, this is a normal thing. No big deal. Yeah. I don't want that to be like passively just happening. I thought it was like weirdly beneficial that everyone was able to see like that is odd that that happened considering boys don't need those. <laughs> so it just was an interesting, an interesting day. But in the grand scheme that at my school, thankfully, it's very minimal so far. However, I'm aware that that could change too at any moment. I think it's interesting what you're saying about it's a very different world on what your interactions are with the kids versus are probably with parents. Just share about that a little bit. Because I can imagine even whether it's just behavior issues, you know, sometimes parents might be the worst behaved, (laughs) even more so than the kiddo. And how do you navigate that kind of stuff as a teacher? I think within, it is nice within my classroom that I don't have to have the kind of outward push of everything come into my classroom. It can just be be our room and we can, you know, kind of exist on our own there. Definitely, I would say parents in my, this is my district. I feel like a little odd speaking on it because I know it's different for every district. But the parents in our district tend to be a little more passive compared to some. Meaning maybe just not as activist yeah, type thing. One yeah. way or the other. Sure. It's like, we trust you as oh, the teachers. Oh, well, that's good. Okay. Which is, is nice. Sometimes I'm like, I actually want you to be a little more <laughs> outspoken or else things are going to start going a weird direction. I have started seeing like last year, I even had a parents at our student teacher conferences saying like, what are you talking about regarding like sex ed? And like, there are parents that do definitely care about that stuff. And I like to definitely like, I want to parents to know, like, I am on your team (laughs) here. Like, I want you to have control over that stuff. If there is anything that we are talking about within the classroom, I want you to know 100% of what is happening and have it not be like this mystery because I think there are parents that get blindsided. And again, my district, we're not doing anything controversial, which I'm very grateful for. But I like to be alongside parents and make sure they know they can come in, they can watch, they can see whatever they want to see, just being really open. I do think there are teachers that sometimes like try to keep parents out because of negative experiences in past times, which I understand. But I do like to be with the parents because it's their kids. Do you think overall, I mean, say everyone's going to hear this and they're going to be like, well, I just want to be in my kid to be in Mrs. Metter's class, Ms. Metter's class. But 
do you feel like a little bit of a purple unicorn in that? Or do you feel like there's a lot of teachers that have that? You mentioned that there are some that, you know, they kind of want the parents to stay out. Because I think that can be the concern for parents when they're thinking about sending their kids to public school is what is their access to the teacher? What is their, you know, because there's been kind of a lot of messages that seem to be the loud ones, whether they're real, you know, like you said, everybody has to figure that out for their school district. But you would say that you would want a parent to be like coming alongside you and working together. Do you think that's the overall message though? I'm going to say it's 50, 50 on that. It depends on the teacher and it might not even be for anything like political or it might just be like, I don't want anybody in my business. (laughs) Like I know for new teachers, a lot of times it's like, that's sounds really stressful to me to have a parent in my class with me. But if you like teachers listening out there, I know if you find a parent who, like, I I remember my first year of teaching, I said, hey, I want to teach reading groups, and I want parents to be able to have a group while I have a group. Because, like, the more adults you can get in the classroom, the better for all the kids, especially when there's so many kids who are behind academically. But I had this one parent who came in that was, like, and it was my first year of teaching, and she was, like, the least judgmental. She was so sweet, and she came in every week and was so consistent. And so she got to see what her child was learning in school. She got to see who the kids' friends were. And she helped me (laughs) a lot. And that was like, when you can find a parent like that, that's like, that's the best. So I think parents who are listening, like if you can find a way to like, just say, teacher, I want to take a load off of you and go in with that mindset, not like, I want to get in your classroom and see everything you're doing. I think that can make teachers just go, I'm not going to have you come into my classroom because that was too aggressive. (laughs) But if you kind of go in and the teacher can sense like you're trying to help them and help their students, I think that is like the most, that will break down that kind of barrier, I think. And you can be like a teacher's greatest asset and gift. I do hope that, you know, whether you're somebody that's listening that actually has kids in public school right now or not, I mean, really pray about if the Lord would even have you just either be praying for a specific teacher at the school that's maybe nearby you. Maybe you're in a position where you've got some extra time and you can just do something to maybe volunteer and maybe be involved. The one of the things that I do wonder about us as Christians is that, and you know, I'll, I'll put myself in this camp as well, we can hear the bad stories and we can hear like how like, oh, okay, this sounds really scary. And we can just want to be like, I'm just writing that off. I just, okay, I'm not even going to deal with that school. They're a lost cause. And, but see, that's real hard to think about that school being a lost cause when I'm sitting across from a Casey Metter who is in one of those buildings that, like you said, yours is a little bit different than maybe some of the other ones that are around there, but there's some good teachers and even maybe ones that are not Christians that might need us as believers to just even silently, maybe they'll never even know who we are, but to come alongside them and pray for them or I don't know. I'm fully on board with that. I think there's something when I was praying about this podcast, something that came to mind is just noise. There's a lot of noise about just education in general on the news, social media, parents, other teachers, like there's just noise from all and opinions from all directions. But I think like your point of if you could just get into and just see what it's like in a public school classroom, I think that, and if you haven't done that before, that's, it's very eye opening because you see like, these are just kids, <laughs> they're growing and they have little struggles and you see them on like a magnified level compared to adults because they're like experiencing all these emotions for the first time. And I think if you can see that up close, like I think the compassion for both the teachers and the students will really grow because you see like, oh, there's a lot more to this than what's in the news or what people are saying. 
I always remember something your mom told me years ago, because your mom, Debbie, she does stay involved and very, you know, aware of what's going on in the schools and all that kind of stuff. But I remember her saying one time, and it really hit me about it's easy when you don't have kids in that either maybe you don't have kids of your own, or maybe you're just like your kids are in private school, there's or homeschooled. Mm -hmm. And you can think like, well, the public school is not really my problem, you know? It's my kids aren't there. Somebody else can deal with that. But I remember, you know, Debbie saying something to the effect of, yeah, you know what all those kids in that public school are? Those are the kids that are running our country in 15, 20 years. Yeah, they're still there. They're still there. Do you care now? <laughs> they're still growing up. Do you care now? Those are the people, you know, all of these kids that we see around wherever, wherever you see them in Fred Meyer or in a, a library or a school. Those are kids that 15, 20 years down the road are voting and making decisions about our societies, yeah, right? They're going to turn into adults too. We kind of can't <laughs> not care, you know? No. I mean, you could, but it's not great. It's not, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. To my mom, growing up was super involved while I was in elementary school. And you went to public school. And we right? went to public school. Yep. Yeah. And she, if I could just speak on that a little bit, yeah. she actually like started this art room that was for kids who like either needed a break from being outside. I actually had this eye condition where I had to dilate my eyes every day. And so it was just like blindingly bright when I'd go outside. And so I would go to the art room because I was like, I can't be outside. My eyes hurt. And so she ran that and it was like a huge blessing for teachers. And then also she, on that note, she also ran the art literacy program for our whole grade level. And so she would go into each classroom and teach about an artist and then have all the kids do art. And so it was like a blast for the kids because mm -hmm. kids love art. And the teachers would basically get to do whatever they needed to do. And it's funny thinking about that. I was not thinking about that at all when she was in my classroom. But thinking about it as a teacher, I'm like, that would be so amazing if somebody like came and said, we'll just take the kids and take a load off and you can have extra prep time to do whatever or be involved in whatever we're doing and just like interact with the kids. And, and like, what a blessing to all the teachers in our fifth grade group that she did that. And I think she even did it in other grades too, if I'm remembering right. But yeah, if parents can like go in with that mindset of like, I'm going to interact with all these kids and be like a pot, just a light to all these kids. Cause my mom, like it was everything that she was doing, everyone thought was so fun. Like what a great impact on our little elementary school. So we've talked a lot about teaching and just kind of staying in it. And I do, I love hearing this because it really does kind of, ex it should expand all of our hearts for those kids that are there because not all those kids have that choice. I think sometimes parents can erroneously think that, oh, well, they should just take their kids out of the school. They should do this. And we have, and, and some families have that option to do. Some do not. And maybe you probably are aware of that, like, what would you say about that? Because I do think that's something that is very easy for us to kind of sound very high and mighty about of like, mm -hmm. you know, well, you just should not be there. I have to not give in to my flesh on this one because like, especially in my district, that is so not an option for so many parents for various reasons. And so I, that is like a big reason why I'm like, I need to stay here because and something that's kind of kept me going is like, that's not, you want everybody to have access to having a good teacher or like an education, not even <laughs> that makes me sound like I'm a good teacher. You know what I mean? You want everybody to have a good experience. Yeah. And like earlier you were contrasting the noise and some of the stuff because those terrible examples do exist. Absolutely. Yeah. And sadly, they are probably becoming even more and more prominent within schools across the country. So those that are still that the Lord has still called to, you know, serve where you're serving. And let's just be serious. That is exactly what it is. All of our jobs should be that way. It should be that we're working in a, some capacity that we feel 
like the Lord has truly called us to be in wherever that is for that season of life. But this is the season and this is where the Lord has called you. And I think that's so clear. Anytime I've talked to you about this, anytime the Lord brings you to mind and I pray for you, I know you're called to be right there. So maybe talk about just some things personally that have kind of kept you going and what encourages you. I would say definitely like kind of going back to just all the noise of everything. There's a lot of noise from like what I was saying, the news and parents, but there's also just in the job, there's a lot of noise from day to day. The classroom is noisy. Like there's just a lot. And so I would say like one of the biggest things is taking time to just be still and be in the word and away from the phone. And that's something where I'm on summer break right now. That's something that like I try to do every summer is like, just go outside, get some coffee, sit outside, leave everything else inside and just pray and be still because there is just a lot of noise. And so, you know, making sure that I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, because there are a lot of voices you can seek and a lot of opinions you can seek. And it can be, that can be really overwhelming if you choose to take those opinions. And so, you know, just diving into God's word first, primarily, is the biggest thing that you can do. And then also, if you can find other Christian teachers who you can, you know, ask for prayer for, and that's another thing is at my school, there are a couple of wonderful like Christian teachers nearby. And that's, I'm so grateful for that because not everybody has that. But even if it's not in your school to go, go to your church and, you know, wherever you are and ask for prayer and not be afraid to do that because it can be pretty easy to just kind of stick to your own and be like, I can tough it out. But you know, that's God gave us people for a reason who can pray for us. So you said a couple things that I think are, I mean, yes, very encouraging spiritually, but also even some practical stuff. So, you know, uh, first of all, uh, practically what you were saying, just like kind of turning out that noise and and not listening. I mean, that's something for every one of us, whether you're a teacher or not, because no matter who you are. Yeah, right. I mean, it is, I notice that all the time. And I, and there's absolutely a link, I think, and there's probably a study that's been done about this, but at the amount of, I guess, input that you're getting, you know, are you constantly hearing this? I have to take some pauses every once in a while because I'll be like this where I'll I'll be listening to podcasts. I will listen to books. I will, you know, all of the things that I'm constantly putting that there's really not a whole lot of quiet. Just like, oh. And I think how you'll kind of figure out if you're probably in a place where you need quiet is if you do that for about 30 seconds and you're like uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> Okay, so what do we do next? You know, yeah, persist. <laughs> Probably need to push through and need to make it a minute next time, and then five minutes, and then fifteen minutes. But it is kind of interesting that we kind of don't even really want to be in the quiet very much. But I don't like our. I don't know. You can tell me, Teacher Casey, but that just seems like something our brains cannot really handle to have all that input all the time, even just on a just very practical level. But what you were saying too, just on the connection with other human beings, that's huge. Yeah, I'm really grateful. There's a couple of employees that I kind of go to my school that I'm just, I'm so grateful that they're there. Even my first year of teaching, I didn't have like that circle kind of figured out yet. And it is so isolating because you feel like, like even at church, you're like, I don't know who the teachers are. And like, nobody understands this. <laughs> nobody understands. But which is not true. Like you should still lean on people for prayer. And there's so many wise people around that you can, who even if they haven't taught before, they can give you that wisdom. But to find other teachers and other Christian teachers who are even not teachers, but people in schools who are Christians and know kind of what it's like, I think is just key. I think before we were recording, we were talking about just some of the th- 
kind of personal lessons we learned with COVID and 2020. We don't, I know some of you heard that and you already are having your trigger right now. Because <laughs> I don't really like to talk about it either. But the contrast, you know, and I think that was one of the things, the need for other people and to be that it was actually just a very, it was on display all the way around you. Like to the point that you had to actually think about, is it going to be okay to hug this person? What? Like we used to, that used to not be a big deal. We had to start coming up with strange ways in which we would have like physical, even like high five. Can we do, you know, and I think for kids, I think that would have been particularly challenging because I don't know, what did that feel like for your kiddos, you know, in your classroom, just not being able to have that kind of level of even just like pat on the back or, you know, I don't know. It's so bizarre. I just think like that is like part of your development, you know, like it's like giving high fives and like just feeling that support. But yeah, the big one at my school was the elbow bump. It turned into an elbow bump. I hate it. I hate an elbow bump. I would rather not do anything. Could we? And it's honestly, it's the pokiest part, right? I mean, how friendly is an elbow bump? Which that's, if you are listening and you love the elbow bump, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's a personal opinion. But yeah, I like, was so happy to bring back the high five and the fist bump. I just think like that is a, that's something that's so important for kids to have is like, you know, just that as simple as that is to have that kind of just personal touch. Yep. But I bring up that triggering time for all of us because (laughs) the thing is, is that it does reinforce our need for other people. And we put all the little slogans, you know, you need to lean on each other and all it is. And it sounds like really trite and, but you actually do. It's valuable for us to remember that all the way back at the very beginning, God created Adam and said, it is not good that man should be alone. And that's something that is just all the way back to creation. And so we should kind of get that. But oh, and I, I feel like maybe I rehearse this in my brain a little bit more often because I do have a tendency to be a little more introverted, like, oh, I can just kind of hang out here. But I've said many times, the Lord taught me that lesson during that season of like, nope, that is not a healthy thing to be. And for so many reasons, whether it's to encourage you or maybe it's to sharpen you too, you know, having another person that needs to give you a little bit of a word to steer you in a different direction. If you don't have those humans around you to do that, you won't get corrected, you won't get encouraged. So another thing that you said to be bold about asking people to pray for you. Why is it we don't do that very often? If I ask someone to be praying for me, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, okay, I feel like I'm being really needy right now. I know. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I know you guys have other things to worry about. I shouldn't be. That's probably just a lie from the enemy. I mean, have you ever had somebody that says, would you pray for me that you're like, oh, great. I have to that pray never, for this person. Like ever. that does not happen. No. In fact, it's like, it's the opposite. It's like, wow, I'm so like thankful that somebody trusts me enough yeah. to say that. That is such a lie. <laughs> it really is. And yet I'll say the same thing in my mind. And so, you know, that needs to be something that everybody, educators, moms, gals all over, we just need to ask to be prayed for. And it's not being needy. It's actually knowing our need, you know, and knowing that we we do need other people. And ultimately we need the Lord to be in our situations, all of them. So yeah, those are some good stuff. So, okay. So I think we all wrote down that we need to have some quiet time outside with, you know, coffee. You can do tea if you want. You can do tea if you want, but some silence. Maybe that's definitely one encouragement. I want to take everybody, everybody, I challenge you to go and do, if you can make it 15 whole minutes of silence and no phone, do it, you know, but you're about to go into a new school year and it's really a great time. You're feeling your Cheerios. You're like ready to (laughs) jump in, right? (laughs) You're relaxed. You're ready to go. Okay. 
fast forward to February. Yep. Oh, you picked the perfect month. Did I? Yeah. I actually like, that's where my mind goes is like September. There's like the, you know, stress just from like, this is a new class, but it's like a fun energy for me. But like, love it. I'm like, I got to meet all these new kids. We get to build our classroom. But that February, March is like when you really like, please pray. (laughs) Listeners, (laughs) please pray. No, it's like when you really feel the weight of the school year and you like, get to know the kids so well and you see like the best parts of them but you also see the worst parts and so it's like definitely that is like for me the heaviest part of the school year is that chunk of time it's the february march <laughs> so just that middle of the school year kind of downcastness that can happen i was thinking of a scripture yesterday give your burdens to the lord and he will take care of you he will not permit the godly to slip and fall that's something that has just been um, very apparent, especially this last school year of like saying, I cannot take this for myself. I need to give it up. It's also interesting. Hopefully other teachers can kind of relate to this, but a lot of times, like when kids start acting out, you can be like, what am I doing wrong as a, as the teacher? But then more often than not, you find out like there's something going on that there's more where that came from. And so that's just yet another reason why you can't take that for yourself because it's usually situations that are completely out of your control. But that can feel really heavy. Like I know I've had students in the past where everything's normal, normal, normal. And then suddenly they are throwing temper tantrums or like as fifth graders, which is really odd. Or like there's really odd behavior and it can feel so heavy because you're like, what's happening? What do I do with this? Or how do I even move forward with this? But just reminding myself, like, these kids need love and whatever is going on that's out of my control, like, God can help me kind of guide my steps in the classroom to help this kid get through whatever whatever's going on. So, yeah, that's just something that I thought of. But th- there is something about that middle of the year, that kind of stuff I feel pops up a lot. I think there's like this fresh period of time in September and in the fall. And you've got Christmas. Sharpened pencils. And- it all smells great, right? Mm, love it. And... Um, then another scripture I was thinking of is for we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and powers of the unseen world. It sounds kind of extreme because you're talking about children and things that are happening in public schools. But it is a reminder that like there's so much more going on when there's difficulties in the classroom. There's a lot more going on than what we can see. And so just keeping that perspective of like God has the whole picture under control and just trusting him and that's a choice, choosing to trust in what he's doing. And we've talked actually quite a bit about prayer and just how important it is to be praying. It it makes me think of, we had a situation at our school, difficult situation. My husband was, you know, kind of just a tricky situation. He was on the board and there was just a lot of tension going on at that time. And there was like a really big meeting going on. And, you know, it's keeping in mind what you just said. It's not that person that's in there. There's, There's a whole battle being fought. And we've been reflecting on this because Chris's dad went to be with the Lord just a couple months ago. But during that meeting, which was like a really, really stressful, really difficult time, his dad came to the school, but didn't come in. And he went outside and he circled the school and he just kind of kept walking around the track, praying for the school and for Chris during that whole time. And I always think about that because he didn't even know that, you know, dad didn't know the names of the people involved. He didn't know any of those things, but it's like he knew to do what we probably all should do. And that's 
to pray for that spiritual battle that's going on in there that we can't know. And, you know, it's just one of those, you know, think about that. How many of us drive past an elementary school or somewhere on just our regular route? Pray for that school. When you drive by, think about this, the unseen things that are going on in there that are absolutely very, very real. And what could we be doing as gals that kind of just purpose to pray for those kiddos, those teachers, and those unseen things that are going on in there? That's encouraging, I guess, for me to hear your take on that. It's just a good reminder to go, wow, we need to be praying for those things. Okay, just a couple minutes here still. But one of the things I want to ask you is sort of teaching related and sort of just, you know, life related. But so there's lots of gals out there that are single gals working away. And I feel, you know, as we've talked about what your job is, it's kind of, it can be a heavy job. How does that work out, you know, and just how do you feel in that lane? You know, sometimes people when they're single, they feel like they're more alone. But how do you deal with all of that? That's a good question. If anything, (laughs) when I see moms teaching, I'm like, you are the superhero. People say teachers are superheroes. But I'm like, I go home and I can cook for my, it's quiet. Speaking of stillness, like that is much easier for me to achieve. (laughs) That's why I say that in humility. Like I understand that's a lot easier for a single person to achieve. But yeah, when I see moms teaching, I remember my, when I was student teaching in kindergarten, my um, cooperating teacher, the gal who was teaching me how to teach, she had just had a baby. And so I think that's part of probably why she had a student teacher. But I like witnessed her dropping her kid or having her kid go to daycare for the first time and then coming back. And she was able to keep it together. But I'm, but like even she was even like emotionally, like this was a really hard day. And she was like a very, not even a very set, like a very, what's the word? Just not even a super sensitive person, but she was even feeling that. And so I feel like it's a huge privilege to be able to be a single gal and a teacher because like the heaviness of the day, it is so nice to be able to like come home and I live with my sister, but to just have like the quiet and the peace of the evening, I think is a huge benefit. Like I I just think it's, I don't know. I think that's a huge privilege. I love that perspective. And I think that's actually exactly what Paul's talking about, you know, in Corinthians, where he's talking about for a married gal, she is worried about the, uh, and the husband, you know, they're worried about the things that will please him and the things, all the things of the home and all the things that you got to juggle and all of that. And whereas the gift of being single is that you don't got any of that. You get to serve in the capacity that the Lord's called you to serve. And there isn't actually anything that's more that's distracting or anything from that. So yeah, there's definitely some freedom in that. There's even like my first year of teaching. This is, I don't recommend this, <laughs> but there's even like a, when you're in your first couple of years of teaching, a lot of times you'll stay really late after school. And I'm like, if you have a family, like that's, you just can't do that. Or you have to take everything home with you, which is so tough. That is such a, I would think a burden. I see people do it though. And I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this. But yeah, just there is a lot of freedom in being single and being able to do this job. There's a lot of flexibility to that, that I'm appreciative of. I love that you're (laughs) calling it a job. But like we've said, you know, it, it really is a way if we can go back to even what Paul's talking about in Corinthians, he's talking about how like how you can, how you can be fully devoted to service and ministry facet of exactly what you're doing in your 
quote, you know, air quote job is that it is serving and it is ministry to those kiddos and ministry to those families. And I'm not trying to be repetitive with that, but at the same time, I really do think that all of us gals need to pray about the things that we're doing right now. And is it just a job or is it something that, what does the ministry look like within that job? I mean, I just think we've really got to think about that. And it also can help you in not being discontent, I think, with where you're at. And whether that means you've got a ton of kids and everything is really, you feel like mundane and ordinary and you're never, you know, all your days feel the same. And that doesn't feel very ministry glamorous. I don't know how we ever combined those two words, glamorous ministry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or if it's teaching or if it's, you know, all of the things that we can find ourselves in, single, married, working, not working. Man, in all things. I love when Galatians 6, and this for me, when I think of teachers, this is it. Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in well-doing. But like we've said many times in this episode today, it's not just for teachers, it's all of us. We need to just not grow weary in well-doing and the things that the Lord has called us to in the season of life that we're in. So before we wrap up though, like if just, if there may be encouragement for two different camps, like what would be your kind of your final marching orders, your encouragement for parents that are maybe have kiddos in public school and maybe for the parents that don't, and then also for your fellow teachers? Yeah, I would say for parents whose kids are in public schools, if you can, and I recognize it's not, not everybody can do this, but if you can get involved with your school and help out and kind of see what your kid's environment is like, I think that could be so beneficial. And then you're just aware of like, oh, those are my kids' friends and this is what they act like at school. And these are the things they talk about. And I think that's like, you'll learn the most from doing that. So if you can do that, it's awesome. And if you can't do that, I would say parents have a say in like, if you know the teachers that you're, at least for elementary, it's a little different for middle school and high school, but you have a say in who your child's teacher is going to be. So you can make requests a lot of times. Like if you know, like, oh, that person's a believer. I would say like, if you can figure that out or like have some idea, um, or if you know, like kind of from other parents, what the track record of a teacher is, I would say you have a say in that most of the time. So you can be involved in that way. And I would just encourage you to do that. And then, yeah, also just keep your kids in prayer and your kids' teachers in prayer. And also just be willing to, when your kids get home from school, to kind of talk about what they did that day and be connected to your kids. Because, I mean, that means so much to kids. I I get to see that on a daily basis of like how much a parent's connection affects how they are at school. And so I would say just just do what you can to stay connected and be talking about you know, what God's doing with them at school every day. Um, And, you know, the kinds of things they're talking about with their classmates and friends. That's cool. I think just involving yourself in that. And then for parents who maybe don't have kids in public school, or maybe you've pulled them out of public school, I would say like, you keep going too. Like I am so, it's funny. I'm like, so pro homeschool, but I'm a public school teacher because I know like there needs to be public school teachers who are Christians and being a light to kids. But I'm also so pro homeschooling. Like there are so many benefits to homeschooling that are awesome. And so, and you, you see that so quickly too, like even just like interacting with kids who are homeschooled, like you see like, wow, they are able to learn at a really fast pace. And like, you're, you're able to see that really clearly, which is awesome. So I would say stay the course there. But if you can kind of like what Amy was saying earlier, if you can get involved still in 
the public school around you or just like Amy was saying, if you can, when you're driving by, pray for what's going on in there and the kids and teachers and staff that are in the buildings that are nearby to you, I think prayer is super powerful. And so just keep them in prayer. And then another thing, this is like just something I've kind of seen occasionally. I'll see this like on social media where like there will be like a mom who's homeschooling her kids that posts a bunch of things that are negative about public schools, which I totally understand, absolutely understand, but also like do that, but also keep those people in prayer. And like, you want to, you know, make sure your heart is in a good place about like, how can I help this? Because like parents have so much power in the direction these school districts are going. And so it's just interesting, like even talking to my non-Christian teacher friends, like nothing turns them off to the gospel like parents like that who just post negative things. So that's just like, a, I know that's a really random side note, but like... But it's a great point because social media is a megaphone. Unfortunately, know, right? yes, um, it yeah, is. Yeah, whether we like it or not. And yeah. It's a megaphone to your testimony one way or the other. I always like cringe a little bit when like when talking about that with other teachers is I'm like, oh, I just, that's not a great representative of like, what is the best representative is if you get in the classroom and you are the best parent volunteer there is, <laughs> you know, like that is the testimony that people will see. Or even if, if you can't get into the classroom, if you're really giving to the school, if you are able to do that, like that is a testimony that people see. And so, yeah, I would just say like, what is the testimony that you are kind of sharing with the public schools around you? Yeah. I don't know. Just something to keep in mind. What was the other? Teachers. Teachers. Yeah, that's I would you, say girl, that's me. Definitely learning to be content. I wrote down a little verse too on same note as contentment. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I was ever in need for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I love that there's a verb in there. It's kind of sneaky, but contentment needs to be learned. That's something that you don't, you don't just have it. <laughs> you have to learn how to be content. So when February and March comes by, or even earlier, because that can happen, to just pray for contentment and remembering the knowledge that we can do all things through Christ, not through ourselves and taking on all the weight of the things that are happening in the schools. So I would say just be praying for contentment. And like we were saying earlier, pray for your coworkers that they would have that same contentment and that you would be a light for them in the public school too. Casey, thank you so much. Thank for you for having this. me. Oh, I'm so and flattered. <laughs> gals, I hope that, you know, whatever you pull away from this, I think we can all pull away that we can just be praying for sure for our teachers and for our homeschool mamas out there and all of those folks. And gals, let's just be women that pray in general. Let's just be praying. It is a powerful thing. It is not a good vibes and positive feelings thing like everybody <laughs> wants. No, no, no. Prayer is a real powerful thing that we get to communicate with the God of, of everything that made us. And so it is a privilege to be able to do that anyway. But especially with this, with just talking about teachers, pray about the ways that you can be an encouragement to a teacher or a school and pray for these kiddos that someday gals are going to be running our country. Okay. So we want to still be directing and guiding and be the lowest in unices, you know, that are pouring into the younger generation. So be, let's be praying and let's be praying for our teachers. So thanks, Case. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at avcreek.com.